Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. If you were ever a kid, which I think you all were, um, if you were ever a kid, then you probably played a game called Simon Says. Does anybody remember? Come on. Does it, yeah. Now, if you're from um, you know, some foreign country and you never played this game before, then you're, you're in for a real treat. Um, because it's, it's, an, it's an awesome game. Y'all remember how Simon says, everybody, let's just, just play along. Hey, Simon says, touch your nose. Just, just touch your nose. Simon says, uh, pat your belly. Uh, Simon says, give your neighbor a high five. And the game of Simon says, it just goes on and on and on until somebody says something like, you know, touch your ear. And then, oh, you're out, sit down. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, she's not born in America, though. She didn't play that as a little girl. All right, everybody, everybody sit down. Yep, y'all are all out. You, okay. Simon, Simon says, everybody sit down. I knew Vicky. Vicky was a school teacher. You can't mess with her. Did I get you, Gus? Or were you up? I got you. Yeah, no, no, Simon really does say sit down. Um, Simon, pastor, pastor says sit down. Um, what's that? Oh, the pastor trumped Simon, so you're just obedient to your pastor. I wish that was true. Um, <laughs> So Simon Says is this game where, where you are just following along and saying, if they say this, you do it. And if they say don't do this, you, you don't do it. And, and Simon Says actually uh, kind of represents this thing that Jesus corrects. Because all religions, and Christianity falls into this, Judaism fell into this, all religions fall into this, is that religion ultimately gravitates towards a game of Simon Says. Except it's not Simon, it's, it's uh, Muhammad Said, or Buddha Said, or the Bible Said, or Jesus Said. And, and what you end up doing is, is, as a follower of that religion, you end up just, okay, wait, do I do, I do this? Okay, no, because like, you know this. Well, you know Jesus says you need to tell the truth. So then you're like, okay, did I tell the truth? Jesus says don't lie. Okay, I didn't lie, okay. G- Jesus said don't, you know, don't be bad. Jesus said, be good. And so you're, you're constantly trying to play the game if you're a part of that system of, did I, did I do it right? And here's the thing that we run into is that, again, all religion, because you remember religion, as I'm talking about it, is in essence the, the creeds that we believe, the, uh, the prayers that we recite, the rituals we observe, the commands that we obey, Every religion's got that kind of thing. And Christianity, if you do it wrong, you can slide into that, right? You can just kind of slide into this idea of, well, because you're always trying to judge where you're at based on, did I do or not do? And here's the, here's the problem with that. If you're a good rule keeper, real quick, show of hands, how many of you are? There's like five of you. You're a good rule keeper. Yeah, then you're good at this game. Okay, how many are not good rule keepers? We, almost like breaking the rules is almost exhilarating. You see, I got excited when I said that. I, I, and, and so if you're really, really good at following the game, then you're okay with this, although that has a ditch that you can fall into that's not good. We'll talk about that. But if you're bad at following Jesus says or Simon says or religion says, if you're bad at following that, then you're constantly struggling with whether you feel like you're in or whether you feel like you're good or bad or whether you feel guilted or feel good about yourself or, you know, or you just feel like, because I stink at playing the game religion says or Jesus says, I'm just going to quit. It's just, I can't, I can't do it. I'm not going to follow. I'm not good enough to play this game. 
And Jesus really eradicates this game. And if you're just taking notes, this, this is that the reason Jesus came was actually to lay the groundwork for a new kind of relationship with God. He wanted to shift the paradigm so that you thought differently about God, you approached God differently, you related to God differently. It was just different. He, he basically showed up in a time period where people were very, very adamant about following all the rules and he comes in and starts actually breaking some of those rules. Funny enough, like you, there's a rule that you couldn't, you couldn't go into an unclean person's house. And so he just, and then, cause he's like, wherever I go, it's clean. Cause I'm awesome. And so, and then, and then he would say, you can't touch a leper. And he, he would touch a leper and they all get mad. And then, you know, one time the disciples are plucking grain heads off the Sabbath or he heals somebody on the Sabbath and they get mad. He just, he kind of, kind of broke some of their, some of their religious rules. And he just eradicated. He said, I want, I want to break the mold. And so what I want to do is change the nature of the game. It is no longer religion says or Simon says. Actually, the game that he introduces would be more like just follow the leader. That, that would be the game. Just, just follow. Just follow. If you could if, just go along with me. And what you'll find is this, is that Jesus' paradigm, this new idea, it was very, very personal and very, very relational. So it was no longer this thing where I had, I had to do these things and I can't do those things. I got I to gotta be good and not be bad. I got to go to church and then I can't, you know, I can't date girls that drink, smoke, or chew. I can't, you know, you probably shouldn't date. That's just regardless. That's just common sense. So uh, um, girl that chews, I don't, I don't, I don't want to kiss you. So um, but the point would be is that Jesus eradicates this, this game of like seeing if you fit in or not. Because there's a group of people that you could, you're going to see in a second. There's a group of people that were really, really good at following the game. And they became repulsive. And there are other people that realized they were terrible at playing the game. And so they just felt rejected and they, they just left themselves out completely. And so Jesus just wrecks the whole thing. This is changing change the nature of the game. And the new, the new way it's going to work, it's going to be incredibly personal and incredibly relational. So Jesus would teach these these things like, hey, do you want to know what God is like? It's like this. It's like God is like a shepherd and, and, and you're like a sheep, which for us, it's not a big deal because we, we don't have a lot of sheep around here. But, but for them, that was huge because it was like, oh my gosh, so the this, this sheep just follow this shepherd around. They hear his voice. They just follow. And it was very, very clear to them. The shepherd protected, loved, cared for, guide, led, provided for oh that's oh that's different that's cool i mean i know because like before they used to think of god as maybe like the god of the nation of israel but but then jesus changed it because no it's very very personal this is very very as a matter of fact here's another way you can look at it you're like a branch and god's like the vine and you're just grafted in your whole thing is this um you're just to stay as close as you can stay as connected as you can stay as apart as you can and and you don't have to do anything but stay close and God's power runs through you to produce fruit and great things in your life. And so the whole point is just stay, just stay close, just stay grafted in, stay close. And they're like, wow, that's cool. And then he goes, hey, here, here's another one. You're like a child and God is like a father. And they're like, yeah, like the father of Israel. No, 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 no. Like you're personal. Like as a matter of fact, like the way you would say Papa or Dad, that's how you can talk to God. So it was incredibly personal and incredibly relational and this is the new paradigm that he gives and introduces and and there's this reoccurring thing not only just shepherd and sheep and and branch and vine and father and child there's another one he goes hey i want you to to get out of this idea of hey i want to be your leader and i want you to just follow and that's how we're going to look at it from this next six weeks forward from today forward we're going to look at a few different texts and the opening text 
is incredible because the opening text kind of shows you of this early idea, this early invitation to just follow. Are you ready? Let's, let's follow along. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 9 says this. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Everybody say Matthew. Now, notice what, what book did we read from? Matthew. So Matthew is writing his own story. Yeah, yeah. So Matthew got to write part of the Bible. That's pretty cool. But, but you got to see where it all begins. See where it starts. Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And a 21st century American, we just read that and be like, oh, okay, interesting. Apparently there's an IRS man. And Jesus wants to talk to him. That sounds cool. It's very different than that, though. Although I don't know that we have a high opinion of the IRS. It's not what their opinion of this guy was. As a matter of fact, what you'll see later is, is that later and all throughout the Gospels, when they categorize people, it would say that Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors. Meaning that they were so despised that if you were just a, a, a hooker, you, you, we wouldn't even dare put you. If you're a prostitute, we're not going to condemn you down to that level. We'll at least separate you. So I want you to think like sinners, drunks, prostitutes, you, you name it. Y'all are all better than. We will not dare lump y'all in with the tax collectors. And here's why. So the tax collector was the reminder that Rome was your oppressor. So Rome was the dominating empire. They had set up shop. They had dominated this people group. There had been wars and battles. They had killed and maimed and crucified. The cru- Jesus was not the first person crucified. They were crucified. Anybody that would come against Rome. And so the other thing, though, is, is that when you're the dominating empire, you get to collect what? Taxes. Yeah, it's all tax season. and We should all feel that. <sighs> so anyway, what they would do is, is that Rome would put a tax on everything. That sounds a little familiar. They put a tax on income. They would put a tax on land. There was a property tax. The property tax was 10% of your grain, 20% of your wine and fruit. And then they would tax like, you know, check this out. Just to go across a bridge, they would tax you. That sounds insane, doesn't it? To, to go on certain roads, they would tax you. It sounds, it sounds insane. It's like total oppression. Anyway, I'm, I'm kidding a little. Um, but the point was is that they were collecting taxes. Now, the way that they would do this is, is, is pretty brilliant is they would contract out uh, people to collect taxes in like five-year intervals. They would just contract you out. And then what they would do is, is they would have their subcontractors, which were these local tax collectors who would set up their own booth. And they were empowered by Rome, which had a big army, right? Big police force. So, so anyway, what, what they would do is they would say, hey, look, Rome needs at least this. But then you can collect on top of that whatever you want, and that's your income. Now that sounds... Crazy. I mean, but that was the way that it was. And it was made up of these local Jewish people that they would subcontract to collect all the taxes. And so Matthew is a guy who literally was considered a traitor to the nation of Israel. He had sided with the Galactic Empire, with the Roman Empire. He had, he had, so like he was seen as like this awful, wretched scum of the earth. How dare you? So now in light of all that, let's back up real quick here. Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, a holy man, a teacher. And he sees the scum of the earth sitting at a tax collector's booth empowered by Rome. And they're all like, oh, he's going to get him. 
He's going to lay into this guy. He's going to give him the what for in the business. And I'm going to rip you a new one. And that's how it's going down. Jesus is going to get this. Because remember, they all believe that the Jewish Messiah was going to overthrow Rome and take Israel back to a prominent nation. That was the belief that they had in their time period. And Jesus, of course, doesn't do any of that. And so this is what it says. So Jesus goes to the man named Matthew signing at the tax collector's booth. And what does he do? He says, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him, which is crazy because that's not what I would have said. I wouldn't have said, follow me. I'm not that nice. I'm not like holy. I clearly am not God. And so what you and I would have said, we would have walked up to Matthew. We wouldn't have said, follow me. We would have said, how dare you? How could you? How do you call yourself an Israelite? How do you call yourself that? What do you think your mother Because a good guilt trip brings in mom. Do you know what your mother thinks of what you're doing, young man? The audacity. And so this is what we would have done. And so, but this is not what Jesus does. And the other thing that Jesus does is this, because this is the other thing. Even if you're kind of nice, you would have maybe done said this. You said, Matthew, look, if you'll stop ripping people off, you can follow me. If you will play the game, the Bible says, religion says, if you'll play the game, then you can follow me. If you'll clean up your act, then you can follow me. Did you notice that Jesus gives no prerequisite whatsoever? Like there's nothing. There's just simply an invitation to follow. He does not give anything, any type of hoop that you have to jump through. There was no first steps. There was like, okay, look, okay, number one, you need to shave. You need to cover up your tattoos. And you got to stop talking like a drunken sailor. And then stop stealing and then stop nothing. Now, I know some of you people that grew up in church your whole life, you're already you already feel the angst of this. But I'll get to you in a minute. And so the, the Bible says that Matthew got up and followed him. Now, that part would not have been shocking because in their day and time, the rabbi was a rock star. The rabbi was awesome. And the rabbi was the prominent figure in Jewish culture, in Jewish society. So the rabbi was this super cool, super awesome person. And all the rabbis had disciples. And so that was common. It wasn't weird for Jesus to have disciples. But if you couldn't be a rock star rabbi, the next best thing was to be a rabbi's disciple. And so this was like a no, this was like, oh my gosh. And you got to remember, tax collectors had been excluded from religious life. So normally when the rabbis were, were bringing in disciples, they would go to the religious schools and, and basically bring in or hire in the best and the brightest and the smartest and the most religious and the most educated, the ones that could memorize the whole book of Leviticus and quote it to you. That's where they would go to get disciples, not Jesus. And now you know why you're here. Because Jesus doesn't necessarily just go looking for people who've got life already figured out and who've got all the qualification. He doesn't do that. He goes, it's almost like when you pick at kickball, it's like you always try to pick the best kids and the, 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 the strongest and the biggest leg. and the big, Not Jesus. He goes, give me that guy. And now you know why I'm here. Because at some point Jesus said, give me that guy. Didn't belong, didn't deserve it, wasn't qualified, but give me that guy. And so Matthew was honored. He was like blown away. Oh my gosh, the rabbi invited me. I haven't even been to church in like 10 years. This is crazy. And so he follows Jesus. Now, look at, look at what happens next. Um, the Bible says that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his 
disciples. Stop there real quick here. So now it gets even crazier. So what Jesus does is, is that Jesus gives an invitation with no prerequisite whatsoever, no loopholes, no no steps, and he just says, I want you to follow me. And so you would have to think now, okay, all right, if I'm going to follow the rabbi, the first thing he's going to do is go clean me up, you know what I mean, cover my tattoos, shave my face, make sure I stop cussing. He's going to do all that stuff, right? That's the first, what's the first thing Jesus does? You're crazy, okay? Now go get all your crazy friends and we'll have a dinner party. This makes no sense. This is unlike anybody else in the religious system. He just shatters and wrecks the whole thing. Remember, I told you the invitation, the paradigm, it was incredibly personal and it was incredibly relational. And the very, the very thing that Jesus asked him to do was follow. And then the very first thing that Jesus does is invite him into himself, into Matthew's home to hang out with him and all of his crazy Friends, this simple invitation to follow is actually the most accurate picture of what spiritual life is all about. This is it. You've been invited to follow, and now Jesus wants to hang. That's what it looks like. So if you ever felt like, why don't I fit in church, and it seems too formal, and I don't like this, and this, and I don't know that I'm good enough, and I don't know that I fit, and I don't know that I belong, and I don't know that I've been good enough, and if God really knew, which he does, by the way, and if they really, or pastor really knew, which I can just guess, but, and so it's just an invitation to follow, but the invitation is incredibly personal, and it's incredibly relational. So in light of that, the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning is this, is am I following? That's it. Am I following? Second question I want you to ask yourself is, is am I currently following? You know, because some of you, you're, you're, you're not in the Matthew boat. You've been in church a while. You've been in church for years. Um, and you would say, well, I go to church, but that's not the same as following. Have you ever noticed that? Like going to church is not following. Just because you, you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. If you're inside a McDonald's, that doesn't make you a Big Mac. If you're inside a church, that doesn't make you a follower. That makes you a churchgoer, which is fine. I'm glad you're here. I want you here every week. But if all you ever had was, I'm a church follower, if all you ever experienced was churchianity, no wonder it's boring. No wonder it's lifeless. No wonder it's fruitless. I'd be bored too. I'd, I'd go home and be watching the masters right now if all there was was this new creed, this new doctrine, these prayers I recite. I actually did this recently. Um... I don't know what you think I just did. I just, I think I jumped on that real quickly. Like, let me tell you what I did. I recently had this experience. I'm at this, uh, I'm at this funeral where it's incredibly religious and it's people reciting the same thing over and over and over. And I thought, dear God, this sounds like an incantation. And then they were reciting the Lord's prayer over and over and over. And I thought, did they not read the verse right before that? That literally says, don't pray in vain repetitions. How can you? It's not like one was in the book of Ob- Obadiah, which we can never find. And it says, don't do this. And then Jesus, it's, it's the verse right before. Like, look, I'm not the smartest man in the world, but we're not talking about trying to find, you know, Obadiah or Malachi, or Hosea, or one of these weird people in the back of the Old Testament that we can't find unless we go to the table of contents. It wasn't it. It was literally the verse right before the Lord's Prayer that said, don't do this. And I thought, how did we miss this? 
And I saw these people going through what was truly to them a ritual. And I thought, this is so strange. Because when I read the story of Jesus, I don't see a ritual. I see Jesus with an invitation. And it's incredibly personal and it's incredibly relational. So throw out the ritual if it's not personal and if it's not relational. If it is not you following closer and closer to Jesus, then we have missed the point. So am I currently following? Last question is this, is am I actively following? Part of it's time, like right now, are you, are you following? Again, you could be here for the very first time, haven't been to church in years, and that's great because the invitation is so simple. It's like, well, just take one step. And start following. Because Matthew, he didn't fix anything, change anything. Jesus didn't say, if you do this, you may follow. He just said follow. And he invited him into something incredibly relational. But for you that have been in church maybe your whole life, you get the same invitation. Because here's the the deal. What you need to know is, is that as you keep following Jesus, the goal is just to get closer and closer. Right? The game is, is to get closer. As a matter of fact, there was this old rabbinical saying that said, always make your home a place for teachers or rabbis and be covered in their dust, which was this idea of if you followed around the rabbi on dusty roads, non-paved roads, what would kick up from his feet? And I want you, that what the, what the rabbinical saying was, get so close to Jesus that you're dirty with his dust. You've got some of his dust on you because you follow so closely because here's the real deal. The goal of the follower, the goal of the disciple. Remember, all rabbis had disciples. The goal of the disciple was not just to learn what the rabbi knew. It was to become who he was. So no matter where you're at on the spectrum, the question becomes, are you currently following? Not going to church. I want you here every week. But that's not following. Here, let me mess you up real quick here. Believing is not following. I'm a mess with somebody right now. Okay, some of you think that it's good enough to believe. And we have an American 21st century idea of belief, which means belief is the intellectual acceptance or acknowledgement of a thing or an idea, right? Like, well, I believe, well, I believe. That's not following. As a matter of fact, James, the younger half-brother of Jesus, so annihilates this, he's almost rude about it. He says, hey, for those of you who believe but don't follow, he said, just know that demons believe. It doesn't do them any good. Believing had nothing to do with it. Nobody really cares if you believe. The question is, am I following? Which is different. Because Jesus wasn't saying, hey, just, just have a belief. No, no, he was saying, no, follow. That's the invitation. Just, just and, and here's the deal. Here's what you're going to say. Let's just keep reading this story because it's so good. So it says that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. That was verse 10. Verse 11 says this. When the Pharisees saw this, now the Pharisees were like the bad guys of the New Testament. They really weren't in history, but during this exact time period, there was a a handful of bad apples, and they make the Pharisees sound like the Klingons of the Star Trek universe. They are the Galactic Empire. They're the bad guys. And so when the Pharisees saw this, and just so you know, the Pharisees were not just bad guys. They were religious bad guys. They were the highest of the religious order, but they were bad guys. And so the Pharisees saw this and they asked his disciples, Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because here's what you need to know. In Jewish culture, the most intimate thing you could do is share a meal with somebody. That was the most intimate thing you could do to invite somebody in your home and to share a meal with them. That was relational. And he's like, 
And they're like confused. They're like, Jesus is supposed to be holy. Holy people don't hang out with them. What's the deal? And he had wrecked them. And on hearing this, because Jesus hears everything. There's other parts where like, and Jesus knowing their thoughts. And he would mind ninja these people. So on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means, which was a total insult. Because these people spent their whole life studying the Bible. They were the learned. He's like, yeah, go learn what this means. That was a total like sarcasm. You didn't pick up on that. Now, you know, sarcasm. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not healthy. You need a doctor, but a sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, what he does is this whole I desire mercy and not sacrifice is a quote from one of those hard to find books of the Bible in the Old Testament. It's called the book of Hosea chapter six. Hosea chapter six is all about the hypocrisy of the people of Israel. He was like, look, y'all go to church. And y'all give sacrifices, but then you go out and you live crazy and disobedient and you're mean to people. You missed the point. And the Pharisees, he goes, y'all are the same people. You spent your whole life studying the scripture so that you can neglect people. You missed the point. Because what Jesus was, sh- was showing you is this. The Pharisees believed all the right things. And they behaved in all the right ways. But they still missed the point. Because it wasn't about their theology, it was about their ministry. They did not care about people. And that's what he's getting on them about. He goes, no, no, you behave, you're good. The whole religion says, the Bible says, y'all ace it, y'all are perfect. The problem is you missed the point that the point was people because people are the only thing that makes it into eternity. And y'all just kind of missed that. And you got to playing the game so critically and so harshly and so accurately that the whole point is for you is to figure out who's winning the game and who's losing the game. Because you missed the point. Because I've come, everybody say, to call. Remember, it's an invitation. Like, you you, you missed it. It's not about, listen, because here's the deal. If you follow Jesus long enough, you will eventually believe. If you follow Jesus long enough, you will eventually change. Those things will take place. But the point was this, is that the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees was this. The Pharisees would say, change, and then you could join us. When they saw Matthew, they said, fix this, change this, clean that up, get your junk together, and then you can come follow us. Jesus is the opposite. He says, join us, and you'll change. I promise. Just follow me. Just follow. You can't help. You can't help follow Jesus, and if you get close enough, the dust gets all over, you start seeing things in a new way, you start hearing things you never heard before, you start getting these epiphanies and these revelations and these insights, and you're like, oh my gosh. And what you realize is, is that following Jesus actually creates the best life possible. And if you follow Jesus close enough, you're never sitting there playing the game trying to figure out how good you are at the game. The game has become oblivious to you as you just follow Jesus. Jesus. So in light of that, here are four thoughts I want to give you and then we'll close up. The first thought that you see from this story is this, is that being a sinner does not disqualify you. It is actually a prerequisite. Never knows that? Jesus only called sinners. That's all that was available, right? Now, the difference was is there were sinners that knew they were sinners and then there were sinners that didn't know that they were sinners. I'm going to clue you all in. You're all sinners. As a matter of fact, did you notice like when he says, I did not come or, or, or you, you don't, the, the sick don't need a doctor. I didn't come for the, the well. I came for the sick because the doctor, you know, that whole thing. It was kind of an insult to all the sinners, right? 
But like, they don't care because they're like, hey, we're sick over here. Woo! You know, like, I'm lost. You know, they, they knew it. He knew what his mom thought of him. He knew that there were sinners and then tax collectors and he was down there at the bottom of the... They already knew. They knew they were sinners. If you don't know you're a sinner, you're already lost. I need to tell you that. Because remember, if you play the game good enough, your greatest temptation is to become repulsive like them. Because here's the other observation you need to like pick up on. These sinners and tax collectors wanted nothing to do with the Pharisees, but they loved Jesus. Which means this. As a church or as a Christ follower, if you have become the critical, the arrogant, the hypocritical, the repulsive, just know you missed the point. My, I guess it would be like this. If sinners don't feel loved and welcomed around you, then you're not like Jesus. Because those who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus. And the people that were actually most like Jesus we're mad at Jesus. And so you've you got to just get your mind wrapped around that and ask yourself the question, who have I become? Because we're all, usually when you read the Bible, what you can find is, is that there's different characters. And one of the questions you want to ask yourself is, who am I in the story? Am I the sinner that needs to accept the invitation? Or maybe am I the religious person that's become too good at playing the game to where I've actually now missed the point? So being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. Number two is this, is that being an unbeliever does not disqualify you. Now, this is crazy. You don't actually, I'm going I'm to set some of y'all free. You do not need to have all the correct proper doctrines and all the correct proper beliefs to follow Jesus. You don't. So you say, well, I don't know that I believe Jesus really was the son of God. I don't care. Apparently, Jesus didn't either. I'll prove it to you. If you go look at the disciples, the disciples did not believe early on. Some of them didn't believe until after the resurrection. There was one guy that had a nickname for all of his disbelief and doubt. His name was Thomas. And he followed Jesus for three and a half years and still wasn't sure. There are these times in the Bible where it said that Jesus would do something incredible or do a miracle. And then it would say, and then they believed. Which makes you think, well, what were y'all doing before that? You're telling me you followed this guy and you weren't even sure? Yes. You can follow Jesus and not be sure. That's okay. Not believing or not being sure, not having full... Because remember, we already annihilated the idea that belief is what matters anyway. That following was the most important thing. So the, the invitation is still simply there. Just follow. Number three is this, is that the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation into relationship. Like you need to know that. The point is for you to connect to Jesus, know the person of Jesus, talk to Jesus, as weird as that might sound to some of you, to talk to Jesus, to listen to the words of Jesus, to contemplate on the words of Jesus, and, and then just say, okay, well, I'm just going to go in that direction. I'm going to start following. And again, if you've been in church your whole life, what you need to do is figure out, am I currently following? Am I actively following? Am I getting closer? Am I actually becoming like Jesus? It's an invitation into a relationship. Now, now here's the deal. Some of y'all, I know what you're thinking. Because I'm in your heads. Some of y'all are thinking, Todd, it's not that easy. Well, this is the story. I just read it from the Bible. Because you, what you're saying is, Todd, it's not that simple. Todd, there's more to that. Todd, I know there's more. But Jesus doesn't start with more. He starts with an invitation. So, yeah, I mean, there's more. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun stuff and interesting stuff. And some stuff is complicated. Some stuff is... Is we, is, I'm just telling you, it just starts with the idea, the invitation to simply 
follow. And what you'll find is this. Romans 2, 4 says this. Some of you are like, but they need to know. But they got to fix. They got to change. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say change and then follow me. He said, follow me. We'll work that stuff out. Because did you not realize? Because apparently we didn't realize sometimes. That it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. That's the way. I never met people that said, you know, I thought God was mad at me, so I really wanted to jump in and fix that. No, no, no. Because guilt is a short-term motivator. Anybody that got, you know, came to God just because they wanted to, like, not burn in hell, don't get me wrong, that's smart. I mean, that's a... But, like, that fear and guilt, that, that's not how Jesus began. He begins with a simple invitation to follow. And it's incredibly personal, and it's incredibly relational. And the last point is this, is that following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. Focusing on following Jesus helps me focus on me and not where you are not. Because here's the deal. If the Pharisees would have laid down their title and laid down all their perfect behaviors and doctrines and beliefs and just set those to the side for a second and just said, you know what? Not that that stuff's bad. That could be good. But what if I just followed Jesus? you would actually stop pointing the finger at sinners and tax collectors and you would just get closer and closer to Jesus. So again, you have to ask yourself, who am I in the story? Lastly, and I'll I'll close with this. When we read the story, we read it from Matthew chapter 9. It was a story about who? Matthew. The thing about following Jesus is this, and this this is the real big kicker to the whole invitation. You have no idea where it'll go. You have no idea where it'll lead. I bet you money, I want you to think about this. You're Matthew, this scum of the earth tax collector. Your parents don't even talk to you anymore. You can't go to church. They won't even let you in the door. And this invitation to follow Jesus takes him on the most incredible three and a half year journey where he's just walking with Jesus. Eventually he sees Jesus betrayed by the hands of one of their dudes. And then he sees Jesus go on trial and then be crucified and then Three days later, there's an empty tomb, and he's like, oh my gosh, and then this thing just burst wide open. And years later, Matthew says, you know what? I'm going to write it all down, and I'm going to tell the story. But let me slip in there where I tell you my story and where it all began, because it all began with a simple invitation to follow, not to figure it all out first, but to follow so that if I walk with Jesus, I could figure it all out. And it took him on the most incredible. You, you, you got to know this, that the Bible, the book of Matthew, number one best-selling book of all time. Matthew had no idea. You never know where following Jesus might actually take you. But there's an invitation. It's incredibly personal. It's incredibly relational. It's an invitation just to get close, just to follow, just to listen, just to check it out, just to start walking in a direction, just to start moving in a direction, just to start taking steps. Now, for those of you who've been in church for a long time, for you, it's about going beyond belief. Because your issue is not that you don't believe. You believe. The problem is that you're not following. For some of you, you're not sure if you believe. But that's okay. We figured out that that doesn't matter anyway. Just start following. No matter where you're at on the spectrum, the answer is take a step and move in a direction. And so for the next six days, I want this to be your prayer. Lord, where you lead, I will follow. Would you bow your heads with me?
I want you to wrestle for the next 30, 60 seconds. I want you to wrestle in your mind and in your heart. Am I following? Am I following? I don't, I don't care if you believe that, that, that clearly is good. It, there, there's some importance to that, but it's not the most important. Actually, the idea of, of belief, when they would use the word, had really more to do with trust. It wasn't the intellectual acknowledgement. of I don't care if you believe like that. I care, do you trust? Are you following? So are you following? Hey, are you currently following? Because some of you in here, I know your story. You used to follow, and then life hit, or distraction hit, or I got caught up in some crazy and some sin and some ugly, and, and then I stopped following. You know what? Can you start following again? I promise Jesus wants to take you somewhere. Are you actively following? Not this passive thing. No, actively following. As a matter of fact, there's a story where Peter, it says that during the crucifixion and during the trial, it says, and Peter followed from a distance. I want you to follow as closely as you can. So are you following? And Jesus, would you help us to take a step in your direction? Maybe it would be to start praying a simple prayer. Maybe it would be opening up maybe the words of Matthew so we can take, take it from the account of this tax collector sinner and find out what Jesus said and what that might mean to me. Am I following? Lord, would you please help us to take a step in your direction? Lord, that is our prayer today. In your mighty name we pray and we say, amen. Yeah, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.